Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Oh, welcome. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Season's greetings. Welcome to Lauren's podcast. Tonight is Saturday, December 23rd, 2017. Uh, the room for callers has been muted. And when, we're, when I am conducting an interview or commentary, I do mute the room. The chat remains open. You're more than welcome to chat among yourself. At the ending of the interview, we will have questions and answers. And at that time, just go ahead and press uh, star eight on your phone and then that will let me know on the board that you have a question for tonight's speaker. Uh, all comments and opinions of my callers do not necessarily reflect my personal opinion, but with any form of communication, we can all learn and grow from one another. And um, as they like to say in uh, show business, let's go ahead and uh, get the show on the road. Welcome to Lauren's podcast tonight. Oh, I am really honored to bring Scott Rolla back a second time. Scott's going to share the dark side, inner secrets of the famous inventor, Nikolai Tesla. We're going to learn a lot tonight and grow and change. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce Mr. Scott Rolla. Good evening. Hello, and how are you? And thanks for having me back. You are very welcome. I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there, Scott. Uh, you know, we're all trying. To, I know a lot of people are busy with the holidays, but we're doing the best we can, my friend. My friend, the best we can. Your testimonial and interview of your court cases uh, this past Wednesday, Scott, was fascinating. And I had no idea that you did such research in the inner workings of the, the inventor, Tesla. I've, I've sort of heard some things, you know, as we all heard about our life. I think he's the guru that created AC, electrical. But um, the first question, what was your fascination and interest in the inventor, Tesla? I began to hear about Nikola Tesla in the 1950s mm-hmm. when... Um, the Air Force was conducting the anti-gravity project. It was a, a classified program, but it was like it was like the invention of the atomic bomb. It wasn't necessarily secret because of the great culture shock and the, the tremendous expense it was said to have cost. What they were saying at the time, roughly equivalent to the amount of cash in circulation, which was like seventy to seventy-five trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, you're talking about what? Close to a half a quadrillion in today's dollars. So it was really an unbelievable, you know, inconceivable amount of money. Wow. What they were said to be spending on it. Now, you know, <laughs> I hear other guys saying we had a, we were traveling to Mars in the early 50s using EM Drive, the United States was, and had a, a base on Mars, but I don't know if that story is true, although the people saying it have good uh, credentials and um, they seem to have good attribution. 
I, I just I don't know about it, but um, in between 1955 and 1958, it was said they got the power supply and medium drive to work. So anti-gravity is one of the the big things kept secret. And I'm going to tell you about things that are very secret about uh, Nikola Tesla. Um, before we even begin that, Scott, uh, in your journey discovering uh, Nikola Tesla in the 50s, that meant, you, that meant you were, you know, when you started researching him, he's famous. Um, were you shocked to, I don't know, did you consider him sort of a, a guru or you, did you have high respect? Were you shocked to find out he had some darkness? Well, I didn't really know what to think about it. Um, I was pretty young. I was born in '53, and um, but when um, I began to understand, you know, English words, this was among the first things that I heard. And so, um, you know, I, I heard about this almost every day until 1958, and um, then everything just went quiet. Then you started getting these uh, this talk about. Non-disclosure agreement and uh, uh, secrecy oaths, and you know, if you tell anything about this, we're going to kill you and your family and everybody you know and everybody they know. And um, I don't know how much that went on, but that was the idea. And I'm very curious about it. So as time has gone by, I've been very curious about it and uh, trying to figure out if this stuff is true. And one bit after another I find out yeah it was all true they they were they were very uh, determined at the time to uh the people who were, who were transferring this information were very um determined to to let you know that they were telling the truth as it, as it was this information came from the local air force base and people who worked there not military people but civilian contractors Mm-hmm. And they weren't sworn to secrecy, and none of us were, and, and um, so, and a lot of people got this information, but a whole lot more heard nothing about it. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, and um, you know, I I guess I feel fortunate about it. Although I have to admit that these uh, technologies are suppressed and curtailed is about my chief source of grief and sorrow in life because they're such great tools and if we don't have them is a is a giant crime against humanity. Um, I'm kind of... Uh, I, I didn't know what to think about Nikola Tesla and I've come to realize he was in his day regarded as the greatest man of science in all history and... He invented all the great things that we have now, all the really great things. He single-handedly took us out of the gaslight and horse and buggy era. You wouldn't have automobiles if it weren't for Nikola Tesla because of his work in electronics. and You wouldn't have um, a lot of the great things like... I was reading one author say, you know, he can't... Nothing about uh, nuclear weapons can be attributed to Nikola Tesla except for the fact that he revolutionized theorizing. He he believed that if you could imagine it, you could figure out everything that was required to cause it to happen, and that was a whole new way of thinking about how to invent something. Um, uh, not only was he he was um, he was uh, 
not only good in his craft as an inventor, scientist of electricity, he had the vision. You know, he was the man of the future. Yeah, he he claimed that he had um, the ability to to be inspired, you know, like divinely inspired, or he would have revelationary thinking. Things would come to him in a flash. He also had a photographic memory, and he had the ability to do uh, mathematics. He was uh, some some people. There are a lot of misinformation agents that go on late night radio saying, "Well, he wasn't a very good mathematician." No, he was a great mathematician. He was also a great artist. He put it on paper, and he had the ability to know which theories were better than others, and mm-hmm. and um, you know which equations were the ones that worked well, and um, he uh, put together the first electric generators, the first AC generators, because he knew which uh, theories worked well and which ones didn't, and that's uh, how he was able to do it. And, um, well, you know, um, I don't know his bio. Of course, I've heard of uh, Tesla, and we all have. Uh, I know I had a class in history, but that goes all the way back to high school a long time ago, but what you're saying, Scott, he sounds like a very, very brilliant man, and he brought, as you said before, we would not be driving the what we considered uh, cars, automobiles, without him. He, like you say, he took us off of that horse and buggy into the car. And he sounds like a, you know, on paper, he sounds like a great hum- inventor and great humanitarian. But what you know about him, the dark side, makes him just more of a mere man. Is that correct? Well, you know, I don't know about the dark side. He he believed in eugenics. Oh. He, which is kind of uh, sad. Yes, it is. Um, um, but you know, we're going to break it down. If people don't know what eugenics means, go ahead and give us a brief in your opinion. He believed, Tesla believed in eugenics. Well, you know, he understood there were far too many people in the world mm-hmm. who uh, had trouble thinking. And um, he believed that, uh, you know, procreation should be uh directed endeavor and you know, you should be careful about who was able to uh, have offspring. And um, But the thing is, Tesla could see the way it was going, and he could see that uh, his inventions would be turned into weapons, and he didn't need a lot of uh, ignorant or people who were not able to learn in, in the world because you were just going to have mass slaughter, which, hey, guess what? Here we are now. So he wasn't really necessarily wrong, although it's very sad to think about that. Also, Tesla, you started having spontaneous human combustion about the time he was getting the interferometer to work, and um, that was Nikola Tesla doing that. He, uh, Whether or not he knew what was happening, I don't know, but he, he did find out it was his way of testing, is one way he had of testing his uh, inventions. There are a lot of things about him that seem, don't seem to be well understood. There's some talk about the, the Warcliffe uh, Tower. I'm not really sure how that works. It's supposed to work off the resonant uh, vibration of the Earth. I'm, I'm not really sure how it works. But the important thing to know is he was getting his MEG, the Motionless Electromagnetic Generator, now, these, that's a forbidden word. You just don't say that on broadcast. You know, it's ridiculous. 
They're just words. This is a device. It should be the most recognizable object on Earth, but instead, a few people know what it is. The MEG. He was getting that to work in the 1880s without the benefit of modern materials mm-hmm. and um, components like high-speed switches, which is amazing. And it's an amazing gadget. It's real simple, although it can be made into something more complicated. Um, it's used as a power supply in our Minuteman missiles and some of our other, um, like, military hardware. But it's, uh, that's a classified technology. Um, he he appears to have been in the full-time research and development with the scalar electromagnetic interferometer by the beginning of 1890. That's also not well known. Um, no, I, I didn't know of it, um, but um, that's one of the reasons I wanted you to speak about him today. I'm not very familiar with his, you know, all his contributions. You you know about the uh, HARP facility? There's one in Alaska and there's one in Norway and they have another one in another place. I can't remember where it is. But with the the antenna arrays, that's a scalar electromagnetic interferometer. It's an iteration of it. It's a version of it. Um, The um, radio broadcasting, all the broadcasting apps, your cell phone, TV, all of that is based on the interferometer. They're just different parts of the electromagnetic spectrum. And um, an interferometer covers more parts of the electromagnetic spectrum. And it also exploits uh, negative energy, which is written out of the electrical engineering model that we use. Um, there are at least 34 deliberate omissions from the electrical engineering model. They're taken out for different reasons. And one of them is to uh, preclude what we used to call free extraction of the electricity, um, the, the way that it's done with the MEG, which uh, we, we thought of free extraction as exploiting the robust exchange of energy in nature. In the uh, case of the MEG, it's an induced reaction, but it's, it's very uh, it's a very natural way to do things. It's real simple. It has no moving parts, and um, you can do it all the time. And there's uh, there's just not a problem with doing that. You should have never paid a penny for energy. You should be able to buy these devices uh, at your local uh, home improvement store or hardware store, and there just shouldn't be a problem with it. But from the 19th century, big money has uh, stopped them from coming onto the market because they wanted to sell their oil and coal and all of that stuff, these uh, outdated technologies. So the interferometer um, is still under development and still being researched and developed, and uh, um, its uses are so many that uh, they're almost infinite. Um, you can do all kinds of things. Of the interferometer, Tesla said, you could launch from a single station auditory wave of sufficient design and power to saw the earth in half in the style of a radial saw. He said you could change the shape of the earth's orbit, 
even take it out of orbit into any other place in the universe. So, to people who worry we're going to get struck by an asteroid or, uh, you know, have trouble with uh, the, uh, you know, a, a close-by pass of uh, Nibiru or, you know, Planet X, anything like that, we do have the hardware and the knowledge to defend the Earth. And um, apparently, because we have this device, alien races don't know what to do with us. Uh, but that's that's another story for another time, I guess. Anyway, um, there there is a um, there's an invisible um, a grid that surrounds the Earth. And it's mm-hmm. called the woodpecker grid, and it's used to um, deliver uh, bundles of energy that are uh, transmitted by the interferometer. And the interferometer doesn't—it doesn't like circuitry that you see um, out in the public domain. It can have uh, power supplies in the middle of circuits, so an engineered wave routine can contain a great many components. Um, as well as as uh, large bundles of energy. Also, you can you can launch one of these routines and you can schedule it to arrive at a time in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, you know, one of the things that we learned is there are other things on the electromagnetic spectrum that we don't usually think about, and these are forbidden words. For example, gravity occupies a place in the electromagnetic spectrum. I'm not supposed to tell you that. It's a big secret, so don't tell anybody, you know, you know, because they're words and we can't use words, right? Well, why is it a big secret? That's what I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. And you hear people talking about this and they go, well, we'll never really know what it is. Well, we've known what it is for at least two centuries and really beyond that, you know, come on, every. You know, it's like magnetism. It's like light. It's like heat. It's like uh, it's like radio or gamma rays. It's uh, it, it occupies a place in the electromagnetic spectrum, and so it can be engineered. And therefore, you can have EM drive or anti gravity. Um, another thing that occupies a place in the electromagnetic spectrum is time. Time can be engineered. Well, that opens up uh, a whole new uh, realm of mm-hmm. science, technology, and these things are things that are extremely important and need to be understood by everyone. Do you think that uh, time as far as to manipulate time, time as in time travel? What's the secrecy of that, to keep that hidden? Right, and as as kids, we contemplated the implications of it endlessly. Um, But it's not, it doesn't happen the way that you think that it it does. Um, There's a, there is a technology that is able to reverse age people and Tom Bearden has seen this happen, and he talked about it in um, some of his interviews. I have a recording of that. 
Um, yeah. He also said in his correspondence, if you go and read his website, he says in his correspondence, he, he witnessed a man materialize a large, complex living organism. And he said that there were many witnesses. None of them want to talk about it. I don't know what they did with it. I guess they disintegrated it. I don't know what they did with it, but um, he said it caused ripples in um, time that made the clocks in that town uh, register incorrectly for about four days <laughs> after he did it. <laughs> That's the kind of thing you're talking about. Um, and and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that here a little, a little further down. Okay. The, um, the the interesting thing about it was um, uh, Tesla had prior artwork on the invention of radio and is the true inventor. Uh, a lot of people attribute it to Marconi, and up until recently, or at least the last time I looked, the FCC website said there was some controversy about it or there was some disagreement. No, there was never any disagreement about it. Tesla had prior artwork. He fought that all the way through his life, and it wasn't decided by the Supreme Court until after he died, about six months after he died in 1943. Well, and and the X-ray device is also attributed to uh, Marconi, but Marconi didn't invent that. Marconi did not invent anything. It was Nikola Tesla who invented it. And, uh, uh, wasn't Marconi and Tesla sort of rivals or something like that? Because I think they were they two inventors competing. Marconi was very bright. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, he studied Tesla's work and he studied the work of uh, other inventors and um, people who uh, developed electrical theory like uh, Faraday and Maxwell and. Um, a great, there were a great many of them, very great minds in the 19th century. Okay. He was very bright. He was probably able to do it, but uh, Nikola Tesla beat him to the punch. You hear, uh, you hear all kinds of uh, uh, claims that, uh, like Steinmetz invented AC power. No, it was Nikola Tesla. Um, George Hertz transmitted the first radio wave. That's possible, but I don't think so. I do believe that was Nikola Tesla. Tesla gave his first uh, demonstration, public demonstration of radio in 1893 in Colorado Springs, and he also demonstrated wireless transmission of electricity that day. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Was he he the creator of what we consider today is wireless technology. Did he know something about wireless as well? Well, yeah, it's all uh, it's all based on the interferometer. He did invent wireless technology. He invented uh, all broadcasting. You're, you have a cell phone because of Nikola Tesla. You have a TV and radio. You have radar because of Nikola Tesla. Ooh. You have the interferometer, which is uh, it can be uh, used for great benefit or it can be used as a weapon. And it's only used as a weapon in the world. You are able to have good weather everywhere. You're able to heal everybody's sickness. You're able to fix a lot of things, make a lot of things right. You're able to make the sea clean. You're able to make the air clean. 
um, you're able to uh, neutralize uh, a disaster like the Fukushima problem using the interferometer, but it isn't used that way, um, at least not that we know of. Maybe maybe they are using it and things aren't worse because of it, but it isn't being used to its potential for uh, the benefit of the world, and that much, you know, I mean, you can count on that because you would be aware of it. And a lot of these inventions are the reason that um, um, things are kept so secret and one thing led to another and the secrecy keeps snowballing and it's really, it's led some of the biggest um, uh, and richest people on earth to develop a program of genocide. They want to keep all these great inventions to themselves. They don't want to share, and they don't want to have to deal with people, and they figure to uh, reduce the population down to, all, to nothing or almost nothing in order to do that, all in the name of security. And so that's where you get your organized harassment programs, and you get all the other things that cause people to die in large numbers, the opioid crisis, and... Um, get your aerial spraying and um, all, all the things that happen in the world these days that are uh, reducing our numbers and very uh, toxic environment. And some days they spray so much over here, it's like my eyes don't work and I'm coughing and choking. and uh, it's, uh, it's very terrible a lot of the time. And, um, but and, uh, and everything kept secret. Nobody talks about anything. What they're having in the commissary, you know, and the mm-hmm. is is a secret. You know, the menu is a secret. Everything's a secret, and and it just it gets to be a little old after a while. It just wears thin. This is not what the United States is supposed to be about, and um, why? You know, I mean, I don't know. You know why this can't change, we aren't moving in the way of it changing, although you are finally starting to see some cracks. Um, I um, how so? How, how soon are you beginning to see cracks? Well, like a week ago, something that's never happened since Roswell mm-hmm. happened, the uh, Department of Defense said, well, yes, indeed, there are things flying around the sky, and we don't know what they are, and yes, we we have been studying them. That's a that's a radical, complete departure from their policy that's been to uh, just say, look, nothing to see here. We didn't see anything on our radar. It's not one of ours. You're imagining things. Move along. You must have lost your mind, that kind of stuff. That's It's a complete uh, departure from that. It's, and hopefully we left that behind because um, it's really very important. People spoke real openly about these things in the 1950s. I remember in the 1960s, a couple of times a week, you'd see uh, news stories, like a wire news story, AP or UPI wire news story, that said um, flying discs appeared over this missile silo, and uh, everything was shut off after they appeared, and then they left, and um, we don't know what it is. It'd be just a short story, maybe three or four sentences, little blurb that you'd see these over and over and over and over and over. 
And people talk uh-huh. about that, but not really. And then, but now you don't even see that, but it's still happening. And what we don't know what that is. Um, well, or do we? Are those ours or not? After 1958, they could have been ours. And what other countries have this technology? Well, we know that Russia and China do, and we don't know who else does, but we know that they do. You see these these big black triangles, um, and some of them are said to be 7 to 10 miles long. Huge. Well, those are ours. They're not extraterrestrial. They're ours. The uh, siding over a phoenix is like a look like a a T square kind of a deal, you know, it's like a like a V shaped aircraft with lights on it. Um I didn't see it but I went I drove through Phoenix that night, a couple hours after it happened. All the traffic mm-hmm. stopped on the interstate and on all the side roads and um I was driving a diesel truck and the C B radio was going wild with people talking about it and it's like this amazing thing that's been uh when was that, 97? 50 years after Roswell. <laughs> Isn't that something? My gosh. My 50th anniversary, yeah. And I mean, hundreds of thousands of people witnessed it. Um, and it, it hung in the air apparently for an hour or so. And then um, I don't know what, I don't know what the, you know, took off or what. So many of these things, you know, I didn't really tell you about it. Um Oh my gosh. You know, and then we're still going around about it and um um trying to you know, trying to explain what happened. Well, those are ours. Now back in the fifties when they were working on this, they were having trouble getting the power supply to work and the the power supply for it according to, to Tesla's um you know, drawings and um all, all of his information was uh, MEG. Well, Tesla's notes were removed from his uh, hotel room when he died by FBI. He said it took two trucks to haul him away. But his notes were just things he didn't want to have to remember. And um, it was extremely difficult and expensive to get uh, the things in his notes to work. He would have sold all the stuff to the Department of Defense at a bargain price and he tried to sell anti-gravity, powered by the MEG, to Department of Defense in 1915, 102 years ago, in the form of a, a um, unmanned aerial vehicle, radio-controlled. Isn't that amazing? And they didn't want it. They didn't understand it, figured it wouldn't work, and so instead they built, you know, the gasoline-powered, um, winged uh, airframe that is the same model we're still using. Well, in our conventional fleets. Now, with all of his inventions and stuff, as as he lived, we we, you know, as a a man, did he have great wealth? Did he have a family? Was he, you know, what I mean, was he celebrated? Did he, you know. Because I know he died in a hotel. That's what I was trying to figure out. Did he have a house or what's up? No, he uh, he died in poverty. He never got married. He was poor? Right. He had no money. He uh, 
Well, in fact, he was in debt. People would sponsor him. He was highly celebrated. But, you know, he was also attacked by uh, people who really wanted to stop him. One of his big opponents was J.P. Morgan. And J.P. Morgan knew that if he uh, he were able to exploit the patents on um, radio and the x-ray device, then he could become like a one-man global superpower. And uh, it would put a lot of uh, Morgan's uh, investments sort of in the trash can. So he saw Nikola Tesla as a, you know, the, the, the greatest uh, opponent and enemy that he could have. And he fought uh, Tesla's having rights to his own um, inventions all of his life. Also, Tesla went to work for uh, Thomas Edison in the Edison Electric Company, which became General Electric and passed along to Edison five very important patents dealing with uh, problems Edison had with the first AC induction motors. The AC induction motor is a very important um, invention. They had direct current or DC-powered motors before that, but with uh, the invention of AC power, Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the AC induction motor, and it had some problems to it that Edison couldn't work out. And Edison promised him a half interest in his company. Well, he got that material from uh, Tesla, and um, then he said, "Look, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to give you anything. In fact, you know, he fired him. He was working for him for fifteen dollars a week, and then Edison fired him. And uh, a couple of weeks later, he had a job." digging ditches outside the plant to bury utility lines. So, you know, and Tesla did not get along well with Thomas Edison after that. Edison's family continues to uh, work very hard to sue people uh, who come along and and, um, try to smear his reputation, which Edison was hardworking, but he t- tended to do things by trial and error, which uh, isn't the way to do something. Mm-hmm. Tesla worked it out on paper. He worked it out mathematically. And when he made claims about things that he hadn't actually constructed, um, he knew that it would work. Tesla was also very good at hands-on. He had his own laboratory. He was real good uh, with hardware. And every time he had a chance, he would build his uh, invention to, um, you know, to his specifications to make sure that it worked. He was also very good about building things to like a military-grade specification. Like if he had a coil, he might put 50 coats of lacquer on the coil to make sure that uh, it didn't come unwrapped. And, okay. Uh, it, it takes a long time for that varnish style lacquer to dry you know I can't even imagine what he um, what what he was doing or you know I mean I can't imagine what that was like I also want to tell you kind of how the MEG works it consists consists of a circuit that uh, does the the work then it consists of a uh, core it's like a uh, square um basically iron core 
the the best thing to use is an iron and boron alloy. It's supposed to be the thing with the uh, greatest magnetivity, which is what you're after with that mm-hmm. core. Now, on the sides of this square, you've got two large coils that step up the power, and then it's charged from the top, first one side and then the other. This causes a magnetic pulse to flow through the core, and then um, it's just one way and then the other, and this backwards, uh, you know, back-and-forth flip-flopping of the pulse is referred to as the Abramoff bomb effect or the magnetic flux transfer principle as uh, as enunciated by who Robert Raddus in the um, I can't remember the name of the magazine I'm just trying to do all this from from memory I don't, I don't, uh, I, don't I don't use any notes when I'm talking to you <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, at some frequencies and power levels this uh, this exchange, this magnetic flux transfer is so robust, you don't need any input. But essentially, you, you charge the core, and it'll step up the power, you know, like seven or eight times really all you need. But it produces enough power where it becomes self-powering after the first pulse. You need a small battery to get the process started. But it doesn't have to be anything more than just like a pen light battery or, you know, a flashlight battery. And then it runs itself. And... That's what we used to call pre-extraction. Tom Bearden calls it energy from the vacuum. The um, the circuit um, channels that, that energy, and it has clarifiers to provide service to the line and then pick up. It takes part of the power back to uh, energize the next pulse. This, uh, this invention, you can, hook, you can hook more than one into a series, and produce as much power as you want. Um, the, the technology is limited only by what can be described numerically, so whereas there is a limit, it's a gigantic limit. <coughs> there, the, the model that uh, Tom Bearden shows on his website said to weigh 57 pounds, and it produces 5,500 kilowatts. That's 5.5 megawatts. And this thing would fit in a bread box in a briefcase so you understand what it is we're talking about do you feel that uh, what a lot of us in the community is weapons do you feel that a lot of them were based on the inventions of Tesla or could his inventions help us against these EMF weapons in your opinion oh sure you know sure um well, anything that has to do with broadcasting and direct energy weapons, they all had their beginning with uh, Nikola Tesla. And if it had not been for Tesla, I don't believe you'd have radio today. I think you'd be riding a horse and, you know, you'd be using a, a hand pump to get water out of the ground, you know, or a bucket. And you'd be getting it out of a, a well lined with brick or stone. You know, I really do believe that. Um in, in his personal life, did he marry? Did he have family? Did he, you know, was he religious? Uh, apparently no to all that. I don't, I don't know that he was uh, not a spiritual person, but he never mm-hmm. married. He didn't have any children. And that was just how it was. You know, he 
He worked um, tirelessly. He was uh, the picture of personal industry. Now, some people say that he uh, was crazy. No, he wasn't. There's a lot of misinformation about him. Other people say that after he had his trouble with Edison, he was emotionally broken. I don't have any indication from studying him that he ever stopped working. He continued to work until he died, and apparently he was poisoned. People who were present at the uh, medical examiner's office when his body was brought there said there was a note in his hand in his handwriting saying that he had been poisoned. It was right after he had um, he made an appointment to meet with Franklin Roosevelt to talk to him about free extraction energy, and there were people who did not want him to do that. And for crying out loud, he was 87 years old. You know, so I guess they thought they could, you know, get away with it. And apparently, they did get away with it. Poisoning is a very good way to kill somebody. Law enforcement rarely investigates it. And hey, in those days, you know, a medical examiner's office was little more than a butcher shop. I mean, honestly, <laughs> there was there's not a lot of science to it back in those days. But that's what these guys are saying, and that story makes sense at least. Um, that's what Tom Bearden says. He says he knew a man who uh, was uh, in the medical examiner's office. So that's very sad. It's very scary, you know. Yes, it is. It <laughs> the best and brightest among us get robbed and killed. It's like what, what, what? You well, know? I just. I feel like he's a genius with all the inventions that he discovered and to, you know, never make money, to die penniless in a hotel, no family. It's kind of, and poisoned, murdered, but in essence. Do they have any idea who murdered him, Scott? Well, no. <laughs> in fact, no, okay. The thing is, that came, that, that also came about six months after he had given a demonstration to the Navy of hidden space technology, mm-hmm. hidden space theory. This is the thing. I mean, I want to talk to you about the MEG, the interferometer and anti-gravity, but the thing that I really wanted to tell you about is hidden space theory. This is such an important, highly significant thing. It's among the most closely held secrets that there are. This is Nikola Tesla. And if you enter these words into a search engine, you're going to find you just can't locate any information. At least I haven't tried lately. You might be able to get something someplace. Um, There's a lot of misunderstanding about it. There are people who have talked about quantum jumping, and what they're talking about is, is hidden space. If you're talking about stargates, if you're talking about portals, wormholes, all that stuff, yeah, baloney. You're talking about Tesla's hidden space theory. Um, could you explain that Tesla's hidden space theory? Sure. I can tell you a little how of how it works. I have seen hidden space theory happen, and it is frightening. And it's, like, very, very frightening. I think about it now, and I just I get goosebumps all over, because to think that there are some people who have this technology and the ability to do it, and the rest of us don't, is very terrible. You know, you hear about people disappearing from national parks and elsewhere just without a trace. Maybe they're found some in some odd place dead or 
they reappear or uh, they never come back, and they seem to have just disappeared right in their tracks, walking along a trail or someplace like that. Um, that is explainable by hidden space theory, and I've written to uh, some people like Linda Moulton Howe, who's like begging, you know, for somebody to tell her. And as I hear I hear her do this like half a dozen times. So finally, I wrote to her. I've written to some physicists to tell them. I just I'm writing to them. I'm saying I just want to make sure you know this. I don't know exactly when. Nikola Tesla came up with this, but I would say he was probably aware of it by 1890, if not before, and that he knew where his study was taking him. He originally wanted to uh, figure out how to extend the uh, transmission radius of a radio transmitter or, you know, a, a transmission where you've got, essentially what you've got is a resistance field. It's a it's a field that's set up that that alters. It, it creates resistance in the um, the natural flow of EM energy in the so-called ether, which is you know uh, the atmosphere or uh, space itself. Uh, and if you increase the power, you can increase the radius. But you come to a point of uh, diminishing return where you can keep increasing the power, but the radius doesn't get to be more and um, the, uh, the the signal becomes uh, garbled and uh, distorted. So, but he knew there had to be a way. The trick to that is that requires you to consider what the fabric of the universe is and of what it consists. And you know, in the in the 19th century, that wasn't impossible to do, but it took a lot more than um, what most people knew in order to do it. So, what he wanted, he he learned a lot about the fabric of the universe, and one of the things of which it consists is negatively charged electrons, which are basically what's known as dark matter. Um, they're not visible, at least to our eyes, and they're not tangible, but they are there and the entire universe consists of negatively charged electrons, a, a densely, fully packed sea of them where um, they're just one after another and there are no holes in it. And they they flow. There's a flow to these negatively charged electrons. Well, what you can do with an induced field and a, an engineered wave routine is you can open up a pocket those negatively charged electrons, you can put yourself or an object in it. And when you close that pocket, you leave this time space. You aren't in this universe anymore. And you enter an alternate space, and that alternate space can be engineered. It can be twisted. It can be stretched. It can be folded. It can be compressed. Mm-hmm. And... Um, The um, you, it, it enables you to travel at uh, speeds. You can you can you can go to a place uh, very far away in a little bit of time at speeds greater than the speed of light. Now, the beauty part is when you reemerge into this time space, 
Mm-hmm. You precisely specify the place and the time in which you reemerge, which means, well, consider the implications. You can uh, you can go on a very long trip, and you can make your return before your departure, if that's what you want to do, or it can be within a few seconds or a fraction of a second after your departure. That That's amazing. That is not something that people who are um, administering the anti-gravity project took into consideration. And... May I ask a quick question? Uh, Scott, who do you think right now is able to uh, to do this uh, hidden space theory? I mean, who's traveling like that? Is it scientists that are traveling like that or military? Or who has the power to utilize this? I know Department of the Navy still works with it. And... Um, a lot of these technologies, you know, they've been handed off to uh, private companies like uh, Grumman and um, McDonnell Douglas, you know, the, the big uh, aircraft companies. Okay. And I don't know how much control the government even has over it anymore. That's one of the problems that we have. That was the, uh, that was the military-industrial complex that Eisenhower warned us about the the uh, technical data for the anti-gravity project, which involved, you know, the MEG, uh, EM drive, and hidden space, and another technology that I'll tell you about, were all promised us they were to be open source, they were to be published. Mm-hmm. But they figured out something about it uh, very soon after they... Um, they got it to work, and somebody decided, hey, we don't need to be giving this out. This is just too important. So uh, they kept it, you know, they kept it a secret, and just uh, certain companies and certain individuals got to find out about it, and the rest of us were told to just, uh, you know, nothing to see here and move along. And really, you know, the most insulting kind of ways, you know, the whole world being treated like we're nothing but stupid, and yeah, I mean, you know that's kind of how it's been too. You know, we we get a little dumber by the minute. It's, it's, Do you believe that they're dumbing us down too, um, purposely, not to find out these secrets? Uh, sure, and to get rid of us. That's you know that's the whole thing. That's part of the uh, genocide program. Um, they don't want you to be curious, and people aren't curious. It's how can you not be curious? It's like, I don't understand it. Um, but, you know, hey, I guess that I'm just different. I don't fit in a lot of ways. Um, uh, I think that they want us, what it was the end days during the age of Spartacus, the Roman Empire, when they would go to the arena, all they would be interested in is drink and food. Is that what it's called? Bread and wine? Sort of, aren't we in that right now? Watch reality TV and consumption of, you know. Sure. We're to be kept busy with uh, entertainment and sports and that kind of stuff. And to a lot of people, that's their whole reality. They go to work, they come home, they watch ESPN. That's and they that's what that's their life. 
they don't think about anything else. And um, some days I wish I'd never heard any of this stuff because I contemplated endlessly. But here's what here, here's the thing that happened. Um, they also developed a technology to reverse age a person, which meant if you could repeat the process, you could essentially live forever if you weren't killed accidentally. Well, when we sent the first people out with EM Drive, they were apparently gone a very long time and explored a whole lot of the universe. This is not just interstellar. You're talking about intergalactic whole universe transportation. And they were able to uh, acquire a whole lot of knowledge about space and nature and science and um, what is out there. Then they're coming back no sooner than they um, left, having been gone a thousand years or ten thousand years, a long time. And they're coming back with such treasures of information. Defense suddenly realized, my God, this is not just very valuable. It is a thing of infinite value, infinite monetary value. That is why. This is so important and secret and why so many things became a secret. And you started having your, you know, death threats and uh, your secrecy oaths and all that. You didn't have that before. They deployed the technologies. And it's been one thing after another. And now, you know, these extermination programs in which uh, so many of us find ourselves, they're big secrets. and The whole thing is so dirty it's just meant to rub people out. I put up a put up a picture of my brother on my I got a I got a new Facebook page I'm building. I put up a picture of my brother. He was killed 13 years ago by directed energy weapons. And um we we didn't have a lot to read about in those days or at least it was hard to find. We didn't even know what the search terms were, but his wife and I studied it for almost 4 years and finally decided well, this this is the only thing that did. Describes everything that's happened. And that's 13 years ago. I was already into my organized harassment program nine years at that point, and it just gets kept so quiet that um, nobody knows about it. And I told her, you know, you need to go to the police and and talk about this. You need to just say something about it. And she said, Why? They'll think I'm nuts. I said, Yeah, well, their lack of an education doesn't make you stupid, but in a way, yeah, it does, because it makes us all stupid, and um, it places us all in grave danger. I don't, I don't know how much hope there is for us. You know, when when we aren't willing to talk about things and willing to use words, listen to the words I'm using. Do you hear any profanity in there? Is there anything that's is this offending you? Is there? Can you think of any reason why everybody should know these things? We shouldn't live in a world that has a culture based on roads. We should all either fly or use hidden space to transport ourselves and um, objects, right? Well, I think it's right, but I think the intimidation and they utilize the emotions of great fear, Scott, that it just sort of paralyzes everybody both those that are learned and unlearned. You know what I'm saying? They really work on the emotions of fear. Sure. 
It's just based from the, the manipulation. It's in a grandiose scheme of fear. You know what I'm saying? And fear is the type of things that will get us, make us grieve, make us worry, uh, make us be our own worst enemy, make us coward or coward, uh, and, uh, and we'll run from truth if not be angry with truth. You know what I'm saying? Fear. Fear is the key mechanism for control. If you don't really have too much fear, they cannot control you. They cannot. Yeah. So uh, it's very sad. This, do you think it's an actual hypothetical question? Do you think, and we know Tesla did some great inventions, let's be listening carefully. But this guy was a eugenist, okay? He only felt that a special type to procreate and have offspring. That a society of a bunch of unlearned uh, that made him sort of thinking an elitist, you know, sort of let them eat cake attitude. He did not want commoners or masses. Uh, however, we know in every revolution, most leaders for any revolution, from our Sam Adams all the way down recently, our civil rights, most people a part or leading a revolution were always in the cast of the unlearned, the marginalized, that had nothing to do. In history, it was never about professions, you know, accounting, banking, uh, merchant owners of stores. They had fears of, you know, prosperity, I want to keep my business, I have family and obligations. They were never out there in the masses to create any type of social change. So, with that, Scott, this guy was a eugenics. Do you feel right now discussing him as, as many great inventions that he brought into the 20th century, 19th century, yes, into the 20th century? What do you think, if you could talk to him even hypothetically right now, what would you be most disgusted with him? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yes, I, oh, yes, yes. I don't get any idea about Tesla except that he was a very humble individual. And he was also very unhappy that while um, he most of his products he wanted to sell to U.S. Department of Defense. And he was very unhappy that they were willing to use radio and radar, his inventions, and they knew they worked. But he was not able to convince... Um, convince him about the interferometer and also about hidden space. Well, finally, in 1943, he was telling them, look, man, I can come out there with a thing that looks like a radio and a mast and antenna, and I can move a ship from one place to another on the water instantly and just as far as you want anywhere on Earth, and uh, you got to let me demonstrate this for you. I can show you how to do it. And he finally talked him into it, and he, by God, did it. And they were amazed, and so they did get that from Tesla before he died, but that was just a few months before he died. And, um, you know, I think that he was only interested in practical things, and if he, uh, he, he wasn't, he didn't see himself as an elitist. He thought, I think he thought of himself very simply, and he was a very complicated person. 
Um, he, you know, he was able to imagine things that... Uh, well, well, I guess the leaders, to my mind, should be eugenics. Who, who, what groups should uh, work in his life and prosperity? What, what groups he deems that want? You know what I mean? Just by believing in the eugenics itself. It takes on a type of ominous and thought, like, you know, who's worthy to live? What groups are not? Well, he, uh, he he didn't want us to destroy ourselves because he could see that uh, in the wrong hands, um, a lot of the things he was inventing could could be uh, like totally catastrophic and for no real reason. That was, I think, you know, I really believe that that was his whole idea that we we should be more careful, we should be more thoughtful about what we do and. Um, and just careful with ourselves and other people. Cause Do you think that they took stole his work after, after he was poisoned? I was about to say after his death, to use it in a negative way? Yeah, I mean, the stuff is used as a weaponry. Um, they say they took it in the name of security. And, you know, after they saw him demonstrate hidden space theory, you, you've got to be afraid. I mean... Because it's scary, it's it's very frightening, and um, <laughs> I've I've mentioned this to a couple of people, and I've come to find out they were actually reading my blog. I did, you know, I hadn't linked them to it, but I've written about this on the blog, and uh, mm-hmm. people actually read that stuff, and they kind of know who I am and stuff. I've been really amazed about that. Um, no, it happens. Go ahead and uh, take a brief moment and. Uh, Tell us about your blog, Scott, where they can um, further hear your um, talks about uh, Tesla and your blog page. Oh, well, it's just a blogger site, and it's nothing fancy, and mm-hmm. I just put my thoughts on it, and I, I don't really write on it very much, at least not, not lately, um, just because I'm about to run out of material. <laughs> And it doesn't mean I, of course, hate or, or have a problem with Tesla being eugenics. Uh, if memory serves everyone, there was quite a few eugenics uh, in that day, 18th, 19th century. There was uh, Kellogg was, uh, Margaret Thayer, that's the, she's the um, creator of Planned Parenthood. There was, a, there was a lot of them, is what I'm saying, guys, a lot. Well, they can yeah. see the way the, wor- the world was going, and it, it scared them. It's sort of mm-hmm. like uh, the rise of nationalism before uh, the United States entered World War II because okay. you know, the Germans and the Japanese were both saying they were going to take over the world, and they weren't kidding around. They meant it, and it scared people, and so you had the rise of nationalism, which is sort of, it's, it's kind of an ugly part of uh, a lot of other ugliness, but, you know, these people are just being practical. They're... You know, and but they're also frightened and they're very nervous. Yes. So yes. that's yes. that's what it was all about. They're you know they didn't want all of us to become stupid, and it's amazing how how quickly that happens, just in a generation or two, and you can see how it's happened. Um, it seems that is true. while that is. there are some great minds in the world, and there are a lot more people than there used to be. You know, the population is has more than doubled since uh, Richard Nixon left office. It's about three times what it was when I was born back in the 50s. It's amazing how many people there are now. I can't even hardly believe it. 
what's it going to be like in a hundred years? Well, you don't want them all to be stupid and and rotten. You know, I mean, I can understand. You know, I I know where it comes from, but on the other hand, um, going around and wiping out wide swaths of the population is not really practical, and it's uh, it's it's ugly. It's horrible. It's not it's not right. It's wrong, and it's uh, illegal, and it's immoral. And nobody. Do you think, do you think Tesla was worried about? Uh, the society being, in fact, dumbed down. Do you think, did he have any inventions that were supposed to, besides his views on eugenics, of course, that would have uh, kept mankind's mind progressive and learning? Oh, yeah, and he could see uh, the implications of his um, inventions, and he could see that you could uh, heal any illness. You could fix any injury, and you could also reverse age people. You could keep a person alive virtually forever, and uh, you could fix mental retardation, you know, electronically. You can, And we know how to do these things. Um, we know how to have surgery without incision. Dr. Fred Bell was on Coast to Coast AM talking about how the Navy was doing these uh, surgeries without incision, and they had 3D holography to... Uh, to observe the changes that took place during the surgery, and a few months later he died under suspicious circumstances. Well, um, I guess you and I and a few people can talk about this, and it's all right. But you tell that to millions of people, and um, you know there are certain folks in the world who don't want you doing that. And I don't understand it. I'm 64 years old. I don't understand it. What is wrong with talking about natural science? It's like a forbidden archaeology. You dig it out of the ground. Why is it a secret? Well, <laughs> there's no reason why it should be except that it um, disturbs, you know, the the um, established order of things and uh, people who invested their lives and careers in in pushing certain models of what history and reality are don't want that disturbed. They don't want to be uh, proven wrong. But what's what's the what's the problem with it? There shouldn't be a problem with it. I don't get it. Uh, we used to cherish um, freedom of speech and the free exchange of ideas. And if somebody were were saying something that was uh, not popular with us, or that even that we knew was wrong. We still cherish the ability to be able to do that because you couldn't do that everywhere on Earth. And now, man, you just got to be careful of what you say about anything to everyone. I can't believe the weird behavior I get, like on Facebook. I've been telling people lately, man, I don't know why I keep from deactivating my account because some of the stuff that people say and do... It just doesn't make any sense. And they I don't know what they think. I've had my last dozen friend requests either ignored or deleted. It's it's crazy. Well, I've heard from others that even social media, Facebook or Twitter, there could also be a lot of trolls out there, you know. This uh what's being done to us, uh as targeted individuals, I think it's massive and I think it's coming out. I 
hope at the close of this year and into next that we get the exposure because um, everything, Scott, seems to be, you know, I think the scales are tipping eventually. You know what I mean? I hope and pray. But, but there's a lot of trolls. I just think if they had it in the bag, we, they wouldn't troll us so heavily on social media. But there is a lot of double agents out there. And a lot of, and they want to direct us to a lot of misinformation or have you frustrated um, for your ideals and stuff on social media. But if you kind of scroll through the nonsense, you can get some really good comments from other people. You know what I mean? Real topics. Because I think information, it, you know, cannot be blocked so much. Just well, to, yeah, they find their way onto my block list. There you go. Exactly, exactly. Jeez. Because if you got a lot of, you know, perps, infiltrators, that trolls, yes, yes, a lot of them. Of course. Let's go, let's go ahead and uh, take a few moments, and we're going to um, come back on the other side of the break. Let me make some announcements, and we'll continue, okay? Yeah. All right. Our year 2017 is now coming to an end in a matter of a week or so. 2008, we will kick off an Asian American experience in trafficking and life. Part 2, Day of Gotham. We will continue connecting the dots and also our vision, new t shirts that embodies our carousel, our story, our lives. I want to incorporate more and more darkness that surrounds our community and bring it into life. No more shall we share the secret undiscussed. Our podcast will be elevated if the truth is lighter than lies. Human trafficking Becoming a vocal point. Theft of intellectual property. Assets stripping. Satanic ritual abuse. Pedophilia. Fraud in our court. Corruption. Yes, we are living in the last days. The end time. Is our Messiah to return? With hope. That's my thing. All things are possible. Let's go ahead and continue on the other side of the break with Mr. Scott Roloff as we continue with the line, Tesla, the dark time. Okay, Scott. We're going to continue with Tesla, the inventor that brought us out of the horse and buggy into cars. I think he was the pioneer of wireless technology as we know it. But yet, this man, his vision, the dark side, he was a practicing eugenic. And as I said, he was not special because many men and women at that time had views on, again, who they deemed, you know, should live and have children and generations and who they deem would not fit into society. His big worry was that intellectually, certain groups would not then be of an asset to 
our country. But yet if we advance ourselves into the present right now, December 2017, a lot of these EMF weapons, chemtrails, the poisons and toxins we have in our food and water every day is in fact dumbing down America. I am 56 and if I choose to look back on things, even from my youth, 20s and 30s, I must admit, Society appears to be a little bit more intelligent, guys. What can I say? A little bit more common sense thinking. And it's even to find someone, the masses would have a little bit more common sense. We could be steps ahead. It's as if there's this blanket of, of blindness they put all over us, that they, they want us dumb, completely in the wine and bread, like the Romans had the arena. Just have your appetites for drinking and sports. And could that wouldn't that be greed and consumption? And we're in debt, as well as watching for entertainment, reality TV, our mainstream media lies to us. We cannot get truth. And yet if truth is presented to us, many of us would rather either put our head in the um, sand or get upset. Scott, do you feel this type of blindness and heaviness of thinking that's so very low at this time? It's going to be the Achilles heel? Well, I can't tell what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, in some ways, yeah. Hypothetically. We're making progress in different ways, like uh, socially and culturally, toward a more enlightened world. On the other hand, we aren't we aren't really going, you know, exactly where we need to go. Um, mm. I, I wanted to mention this other technology. Um, Tom Bearden called it precursor engineering. I can't remember what we called it back in the fifties, but I was told we had a fully functional uh, technology ready for deployment that could fix any injury, cure any sickness, and uh, manufacture everything that you would need for an extended space voyage, like all the air, all the water, all the food, and any uh, anything that you might need at a destination, like atmosphere for a planet or the planet itself. I'm told our secret space program uh, builds things as large as star systems out in space now, and it's capable of much more you can even um, create an entire universe with the technology. It is the practical application of Paul Dirac's theory and equation, which says that from these negatively charged electrons that uh, are the basic fabric of the universe, all physical matter is derived. And his, the- his equation is essentially a mathematical recipe for the way that physical things become material and immaterial and back and forth. You can disintegrate anything. You can change one thing to another. You can um, create as much of anything as you want out of uh, out of essentially nothing. Um, but now, if you if you begin to read and study about this, what you what you add someplace, you take away from another. So. Um, developing the uh, wave routines 
for this uh, technology is, uh, is one of the most complicated things there is, and it's got to be about the most boring, just mind-numbing work that there is. Um, this is also one of the big secrets because, hey, if you can create all the gold that you wanted, I mean, say goodbye to money, say goodbye to market value of everything. Um, if you could have your own planet, you know, hey, you know, what? don't tell me about resource depletion. There's just no such thing. Uh, and we know how to do this. You don't have to have drought. You don't have to have want, privation. You don't have to have poverty. What you need is disclosure and the application of these technologies. Um, but keeping them a secret and keeping the established order is is why we have trouble. Until we have free energy and until we have, um, you know, the, the free use of things like the practical application of Dirac's equation, um, you're you're going to have trouble, and you're going to have fascism and tyranny, and you're going to have authoritarianism. You're going to have a police state planet and a prison planet. So I encourage everybody to use these words and to think about these things and, and find out and uh, take the time. It's it's a very long learning curve. It's just how long did it take you to learn about directed energy weapons? Well, it takes a long time to learn very little, and what's available to you isn't a lot, and it requires more knowledge about um, electrical engineering than certainly I have, um, but I've been able to learn a little bit about it and sort of understand that they're real things. Um, well, <laughs> the cost of my education is very, very high, so of course I'm going to learn, you know, of course I'm going to learn about it. But. I I don't I don't know. I I would like to think that before much longer and certainly I hope in my lifetime I see those walls come down and uh it can happen overnight. You know, um the world can change radically overnight and, and back in the 1950s we envisioned a world where everything that we saw around us had been swept away and you and you had uh buildings that were big grand things that were made out of precious metals and gemstone you'd have buildings made out of gold and diamond and you know no there were no roads were needed everybody flew everywhere or you uh, traveled you shipped everything and traveled by hidden space and you could make anything you wanted and um you went to the moons of jupiter for a lunch and you were back home you know nothing flat and we, we, I really believed, you know, by the time I was a young adult, I'd be seeing that stuff. We'd be doing those things, and it just doesn't happen. So um, I can't believe that it hasn't already happened. And you know, with every day that goes by, I at least have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. But, um, you know, every night it's the same story. I'm just sorry that uh, um, it, it didn't happen. So it's real... It's a really great thrill to me to be able to come and talk to you and to talk to a handful of people or as many people as I can about these things because uh, awareness is uh, the start of, of going to those places and, and starting to understand that um, really a, a whole lot is possible that we don't have 
and that most people don't contemplate because we're so busy just struggling to get along in our lives or our attention is taken away to things that are not significant things. So I don't know what the answer is uh, to that that question. Um, I can only hope that um, whatever it takes, you know, for us to wake up and snap out of it is going to actually happen, and I hope that I live long enough to see it because um, I'm just uh, starting to get this kind of sad, empty feeling inside that that I'm not going to see it, and maybe that's just all that can happen. That's true. That's many questions to ponder on that we're at right now. Scott, is there anything else you'd like to add in tonight's podcast? Sure. Sure. We can go on as long as you want, you know. I, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just about played out. I just can't, can't really tell you. I've, I've, I've seen Hidden Space happen twice, and I know a great story about it, and I'd sure like to tell you that. Um, this, this explains why John Kennedy was shot. As the story was told to us, the Russians got a hold of the White House, and they said, hey, you know, we keep having these flying disks coming over our missile silos, and we were wondering, and shutting everything off, we were wondering if those are yours, you know, we don't, they're not ours. And Kennedy said, well, you know, that happens to us too, and I don't know that they're ours or that they're not ours, but um, I'll ask around, and so I'll, I'll call back and see if I can find out something. So he starts talking to CIA and the other intelligence agencies, and they're telling him, well, you know, they might be ours or they might not be. And they're saying, you know, there are aliens living on the moon. They fly in and out of uh, this crater down at the south pole of the moon, and uh, it's it's hollow, and there's a there's an alien base inside. And when things strike the moon, it vibrates and it rings, and and um, you know, we've had a We've had EM drive for some time now, and 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 Kenny's like, well, "What the hell, man? <laughs> Why didn't anybody tell me these things?" And and um, he uh, issued an order that we would have the policy of exchange, a free exchange of information with the Russians and anybody else who wanted to get on board, and that uh, Congress and the uh, White House were to be involved with it. Well, CIA didn't like that, and a week later, he got shot. Why else would a very popular president be gunned down so brutally in broad daylight the way that he was? You hear so many theories about it, but there's only one reason, and that is the reason. Okay, and on to hidden space. In the summer of 1966, here in Oklahoma City, we started seeing, or or people started seeing, I didn't see it, this flying disc in the night sky. It was this beautiful thing, this black elliptical disc, a standard flying saucer type thing. Right. And it had this um, light ring on the bottom with uh, three colors on it, blue, red, and yellow, the primary colors. Very distinctive. Um, somebody shot a picture of it the first night it was seen. It was the first color picture printed in the Daily Oklahoma on the front page. They'd never printed a color picture, but they did of that. We were pretty excited about it. But the Air Force Base said, well, we don't know anything about it. We didn't see any radar. It's not one of ours. Same old story you always get. No no confirmation of any kind. And after a few days, all the excitement just died down, and they, they kept seeing it every night. But nobody, I mean, people just stopped talking about it. 
most of the people in town witnessed these flights. We lived a good 15 miles north of the downtown area, and in those days, I was out in the country, and you didn't see many cars in the course of a week out where we lived. So um, I figured, well, heck, I'm never going to see that thing if it's just flying over the city. The word on the street was it was a flight technology, it was EM drive, and they were testing it out of Tinker. So it was July 16th of 1968. I remember it like it happened a couple of days ago. I was out riding my brother's Honda 90 with him, and he we were out just taking a ride, and we were here, we were about five miles away from the house. And we saw a strangely configured aircraft a couple miles to the north of us, and it wasn't making any sound, and, you know, we've got a World Air Force Base and an air, uh, a, world, a world airport and an Air Force Base here, so I've seen, you know, a million aircraft, and we could see this was not a conventional aircraft, and it was scary, man. It was at a distance. You couldn't see it. Anyway, we started the motor, and we no more than got up and rolling than that uh, vehicle was right up next to us. It was maybe 400 feet in the air and maybe 120 feet in diameter, and it was the same thing that I'd seen in the picture, and it was making no sound, and it was scary. And we went... I want to say, I was trying to think, it's like a mile west and four miles south. And this thing flew alongside us all the way to the house, nice and slow. And, I mean, we got that Tonda 90 wound out all the way. You know, you're going 45, one of those things that feels like you're going 100. Um, we were scared to death. And I remember thinking, you know, if I never see one of these again, this is like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. We got over to uh, the house. It was hovering over a tree in this field north of our house, and um, I could see, I could, I could feel, I could sense it was putting off a lot of electricity to stay aloft, and it was, it was showering this, this energy down on this tree, and I could tell it was killing the tree. And the thing did not fly away. It was enveloped by about a three, four inch white haze and it just disappeared gone poof didn't make a sound didn't flash it just gone and uh, we were like wow and that tree did die and i you know i had sort of forgotten about tesla in hidden space and I, I i searched for the answers as to what that was well that was one of ours it was employing hidden space technology that was a whole universe transportation vehicle, one of ours, my God, in 1968. Well, that tree died, you know, and I got the idea at the time I would see the dried branches and trunk collapse from, you know, as time went by. And I was sure that I would, and I had no idea why I thought that, but I did think that. And a lot of times I would go outside, sure that the moment had finally come, and I must have gone outside a hundred times. And finally, my folks were getting ready to, to move out of the house, and I figured, well, I just I missed it. I'm not going to see it. But then one night, when I thought it was that time, I went up, I went up to uh, the garage where uh, on the north side of the house, I was looking right at it, and I did see it collapse. And it sounded like a bunch of shattering glass. Now, how is that for a story? 
it was everything I thought it would be. Wow. In uh, October of 1973, I was in college. This girl came over to see me. I was living in an apartment, the Yorkshire Apartments on South Chautauqua in Norman. They had a central heat in there, and it was it was a cool night. The heat was on. It was a little warm in there. You couldn't really control it too well. So she was wearing a sweater, and she took it off. We laid it on the back of a chair. And she visited with me for a while, and she decided to leave, and that sweater was gone. It was like, and she and I both knew that we hadn't touched it. Nobody had come in while we were there. There was only one door, and nobody came or went. We were together every minute. And I said, well, I mean, I'll look for it and see if I can find it. Two weeks went by. I tore the place apart every day looking for it. I knew it wasn't there, but I couldn't imagine what could have happened to it. And it was a Saturday. It was two weeks to the day. And I got up, and I'd I'd been sitting on the sofa in the living room next to this chair for about five hours. I got up to get a glass of water. Mm-hmm. I came around the corner, and there sitting on the back of the chair was that damn sweater. It was nice, tightly folded, and there was a bright light shining from the center of it that immediately went dim. I about dropped my glass. I remember gripping it because it was about to fall out of my hand. And I stood there and cursed for 20, 20 minutes or so because I knew that that was going to play on my mind, and I and it has. I've thought about that every hour of every day since then, this damn sweater. i I set the glass down. I went over and picked it up, and I unfolded it. There was nothing inside that would have made it light up. It was just the sweater, but it was her sweater. And um, that's an example of hidden space theory. That's the only way you can do that, and that's how that's what it was. And, indeed, you know, the Navy has um, facilities, and they do a lot of uh, secret experiments like that down there in Norman. So somebody was playing with me. I only thank God I didn't have my hand on the back of the chair when that thing came back, or it might have become a part of my arm, and I'd have bled to death, you know? I mean, good Lord. It's like, you know, playing around with that. So I assume they were able to see me inside the apartment, you know, because they wanted the thing to come back. They wanted me to see it, and um, they didn't want anything to go wrong, and they did all of that in 1973, all right? How about that? Now, that's a good story. Yes, it is. There's one more story I got from my sister-in-law. And um, they were telling this over at uh, the State Bureau of Investigation. And I remember the story in the news. I don't remember exactly when it was. There was a guy sitting in a car in a parking lot in an apartment complex in Norman, Oklahoma again. He wasn't wearing any clothes, and this wasn't his car. Somebody called the police. Okay. They took him down to the station. He was babbling nonsense, and um, they couldn't get anything out of him as far as his name. He, his prints and picture weren't on file. They didn't know who he was, so they put him in uh, the dungarees and took his picture and put him in a cell. They filed copies of his arrest record at the station and at the state bureau, Sometime during the night, the records at both locations and the suspect disappeared, and nothing in the 24-hour video surveillance gave any clue as to how it happened. That is an example of hidden space. 
and I asked her what to what did uh, people at the State Bureau attribute those uh, strange events? And she said, well, they figured it was a test of some technology. I said, yeah, it was, hidden space theory. Do they think this hidden space theory, do they try to show us this sometimes um, in the media, uh, Hollywood, for example? Sure. Sure they do. There are people who know about it. The guy who wrote, who claims to have written the movie, the original script for Stargate, was a fellow named Omar Zudi. His dad was the the first... uh, surgeon who did a heart transplant in the state of Oklahoma, and my father designed a house for him. It's a really exotic house. It was, was torn down recently. I thought it was his best piece of work, and it got torn down. It's gone. Um, but uh, that's, you know, uh, the only reason I believe that Omar might have really written that script is the hero of the story was an Egyptian linguist, and that's what Omar studied in school was Egyptian linguistics, and it it describes hidden space transportation by hidden space theory, which is something that Omar would have known about. We all kind of we all went to the same school, which was a private school, Cassidy, at the time, and everybody at Cassidy knew knew about stuff like that back when we were kids, because we used to talk about it some. But, the discussion out on the street went dead quiet, and of course they don't discuss things like that in the media. So you'll be hard pressed to find something. Now, apparently, there's a good book about it, and I haven't gone to look for the link. But anyway, I think there is a good book about it. Um, the guy out of New Mexico has offered for sale, and it's not expensive. But I don't have a copy of it. Oh, I see. Well, Scott, I'm really glad that you shed light on. The inventor, Tesla, both his attributes and some secrets about him that many do not know. And at the end of the day, no matter how much everyone, the greatness that a human being can possess, at the end of the day, everyone, they are still just a human being with faults as well as, you know, that's just, you know, the makings of a human being. Scott, are you prepared to take some questions and answers at this time? Sure, if people want to ask them. Okay. Everyone right now, if you're uh, on the phone, go ahead and star eight. I can see you on the board if you have some questions. And again, our speaker tonight is Scott Roloff discussing uh, the dark side uh, about uh, Tesla, the inventor. Uh, If you are in the chat, go ahead and type your questions because I can see them. talking yeah. to Andrew, Andrew Bastiago. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about, Andrew Bastiago. Oh, exactly. Lily has a question for you, Scott. Go ahead, Lily. Um, hi. Um, thanks, Lauren, for again having this uh, wonderful speaker on. I, I missed the first 15 minutes, but I certainly enjoyed, you know, hearing all this stuff uh, as odd and scary as it all is. Um, it sounds like he's very knowledgeable. And um, I had just seen um, a YouTube all uh, from Al Bielik, who was talking about the Philadelphia experiment and the Montauk experiment. And I had just wondered if you had any uh, input as to um, if you believe the Tesla technology 
uh, was a part of either one of those experiments, if you know anything about that. You know, I should know about that. i got to admit, I'm not really that knowledgeable mm-hmm. about it because I, just, I don't know. I'm kind of in a state of wreckage anymore. I've been sort of systematically destroyed over here, and I haven't kept up with reading at all. I, was, I used to do a lot of reading. Um, mm-hmm. I am told lately that uh, that uh, Montauk killed uh, millions of people, and they're all buried over on the island, you know, on Long Island. Um, oh, I don't know that I don't know the, the real story about that. But apparently, uh, in the last uh, 50 years, why we've done all kinds of odd experiments, and a lot of people have died, and uh, there's a big uh, booming. Uh, global trade in human body parts and a lot of people are either uh, burned up in um, incinerators or they're ground up and they're, uh, they're, uh, what's left of their bodies is put in all kinds of terrible places that you don't want to think about. <laughs> but I'm not going to go into all that because that's, that's mm. something I haven't seen happen so I can't really tell you. But Hidden Space I have seen happen and I can tell you for sure that is real, and it's very scary. I get uh, goosebumps just thinking about it. Even now, when you say hidden space, again, I missed the fifteen, the first fifteen minutes. What? How do you like define that? Are like is that time travel, or what? Or they're hiding something up in the sky? I mean, what does that mean exactly? Hidden space. Sure. The uh, the universe, the fabric of the universe, consists of many things, and, and some of them are unknown things. But one of them is uh, um, negatively charged electrons, which are not visible. They're not uh, tangible, but they are. They do exist. And mm-hmm. physical matter is made material or immaterial based on um, these negatively charged electrons. All physical mm-hmm. matter is based on negatively charged electrons. It is the direction of spin and the angular momentum of the spin that determines what that physical matter is. Well, you can open up a pocket in those negatively charged electrons and put a thing or yourself into the pocket. When you close it up, you leave this time space. You leave this universe and enter alternate space, which can be engineered. It can be stretched, compressed, folded, bent. And you can can make a few moves and travel a very great distance in a very short period of time, in other words, uh, mm-hmm. faster than the speed of light. And mm-hmm. then you re-emerge so into time this... travel. It's basically time travel. Uh, well, yeah, when you re-emerge into this time space as part of this uh, engineered wave routine that causes it to happen, uh, you can very precisely designate the place and time in which you re-emerge. So if you're mm-hmm. wanting to leave the Earth and travel... Out to uh, a place and then come back to the Earth. You can mm-hmm. be gone a long time and schedule your return within a fraction of a second of your departure, or even before it. Now, mm-hmm. when you consider the implications of that, that's very uh, interesting, and the possibilities are almost endless. And that too is scary. You kind mm-hmm. of you don't want to turn that over to just everybody, mm-hmm. and uh, can't. You know, you you can't imagine that some people have that, a few people have it, and the rest of us don't. That's a very mm-hmm. useful tool. It's like free energy. 
Mm. We are going to be a viable society until these these technologies are in uh, very wide use because there are too many of us and mm. our needs are are too many. You can't. Yeah, but like what you just many. said, that wide use did that lead to possibly what they're doing with CERN and supposedly what Stephen Hawking says about we open the portals of hell because they talk about dark matter and all that using that with CERN. And he, he literally said, we have opened the portal to hell. So maybe we thought that in the beginning that it was, or some people did, that it would be great for, you know, mankind to have this. And maybe they went too far, though. And maybe, you know, according to Stephen Hawkins, who's a very intelligent physicist, he says, you know, and people have committed suicide in some of those CERN uh, stations, you know, and lots of weird stuff supposedly has been happening. So maybe we, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying. It just sounds like a lot of what you're saying uh, with the uh, electrons and everything sounds a lot like the same kind of stuff. They're manipulating dark matter at CERN. And uh, I'm just wondering if it was, you know, that was the original intention, you know, that this would be for the good of <laughs> of mankind. And unfortunately, uh, we might have uh, overstepped, gone beyond, uh, you know, what our wisdom is capable of handling. I don't really know what they're doing at CERN. Their their original expressed intention was to collide particles and understand more about how uh, the universe is constructed and what how physical matter works and and what else you know what other forces are at work. But I think they're doing other things there, um, and I can I can believe you know people committed suicide or all kinds of different uh, strange behaviors. If you've talked mm-hmm. to many of these so-called like TI targeted individual people, you—I mean, I've heard some of the just wildest stories, and um, mm-hmm. my own brother right. was telling some wild stories that just things that you can't couldn't even believe or are even possible. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. yeah, there's a growing, you know, there's a booming um, competition mm-hmm. in um, evolving technologies mm-hmm. and producing microwave circuits that transmit torture and death to human beings it's just all just it's just unbelievable it's uh, who would who would have thought that was something that you'd want but there that's how that's how the world is these days yeah. yeah sadly so but thank you so much for speaking up we really appreciate it is there a website or anything that you have or maybe you could tell lauren later that she could share that we could find out more info that you you know think well you know i'm uh, you can read the Tom Bearden website. That's a real good one. Tom uh, Bearden. How do you spell his last name, Bearden? B-E-A-R-D-E-N, Tom Bearden website. You can search for it that way. Or the link okay. is uh, Shenny.com. It's a French Cajun word, C-H-E-N-E-I-R-E dot org. Okay, I'm sorry. That's C-A-T what? C-H-E as an egg. C-A-T. N e i r e dot org. N e i r e c is in cat is the first letter. Right, right. Um, okay. All well, right, Henry. Okay. Yeah, give me a second. Okay. I'll give you a. I'll give you a link okay. for it. Thank you so much. Be here. That's that is a really good place to look. I'll give you my my blog um, link here too. Here, Thank wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, my blog isn't that good. It's it's old. 
and I don't really mm. bite on it that much, but uh, if you will go to the, um, the Tom Bearden website, mm-hmm. then um, and just read okay. everything, click every link, mm-hmm. um, take your time doing it. I've read through that whole thing three times, three or four times. Thank you. And it's, uh, it, it really is quite an education. They've changed a lot of it. And uh, see, there's the Tom Bearden website. I'm Uranus. Okay. Yes, there's a guest speaker indicating he's targeted. Yes, I'm targeted. I'm in the 22nd year of being targeted. Wow, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's very horrible. I hate it. Okay. Yeah, there's that. Now, let's see now. Yeah. Go down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, here we go. Then... This is my blog. Mm-hmm. I've got another blog about uh, God about my problems with the trust and money stolen out of it. It was pointed out to me a few nights ago that that money is just a pittance. Some people have lost billions of dollars to gang stalking. They lost uh, big corporations, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. I've lost. Yeah. Several hundred thousand dollars, which you know, if you've never had any money, like I've never had any money, it's a lot, but it is a yeah. vast fortune. Um, yeah. I haven't had the extreme EM attack, but I've had plenty of, you know, I've had plenty of trouble, and um, I have some EM attack, so it's not, but it isn't too bad for me. I sort yeah. of got off lucky on, on a lot of counts, but. Um, mm-hmm. They've also they've also put me on every watch list, the enemies list. I'm on the kill list, so I'm I'm just waiting it out. You know, I'm just waiting to be thrown away. Yeah. Well, there is a God if you believe. So. <laughs> Prayer yeah, man. That. I mean, I was so, like, hey, I yeah, hope. I pray to God against all. I pray to God against against all these enemies that are trying to take us down, all the TIs. Yeah, everybody. my lawyer goes, well, everybody's got to die sometime. I'm like, oh, man, I'm so glad I hired you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Well, don't do anything. I'm making a page over on Facebook where I'm going to I'm gonna post a lot of these documents that I have not shown anybody so far. And there's some of the stuff that's very shocking, the stuff that mm-hmm. happens. You know, mm-hmm. beyond the money, just the inhumanity is just, like, unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I don't think some of these uh, enemies doing it, I don't know if they're aliens, evil spirit, whatever they are, they, they don't seem to have a soul, you know, or a conscience or, you know, about what they're doing, you know. I don't know, you know, what's going on, what, you know, but it just doesn't seem like, you know, there's morals or, you know, ethics or, you know, anything operating here, you know, to hurt people. You know the way they have. I don't see how they could do it. You know, and have you know conscience of any kind. But no, they know. don't. They don't. There's you know, it's just <laughs> no. funny. Killing people is just funny to these people. They don't care. It's it's, uh, they, it's amusing to them. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I'm not impressed, and I pray I pray against all of it, and thank you again. I appreciate it, Lauren, and thank you for having him on. And I'll look up those websites, and, you know, I I appreciate it so much. Thank you. 
Thank you. You're welcome, Lily. Uh, right, Scott, we're going to go on to the. Thank you, Lily. We're going to go to the next one. It's uh, Northwest New York. You are up next. Go ahead, New York. Hello, New York. Northwest New York, you are on. And uh, uh, for Noble Truth, Scott asked you, could you please repeat the name of the original author of Stargate? Is that the Tom Bearden? Is he the author? No, I, you know, I don't know who they attributed that to. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a guy over here who sued the production company saying that he sent them the script for it and they used the script and they they gave it to another uh, person. They they paid another guy for writing it. But it's okay. Omar, Omar Zudi. Oh, yes, this person is L.A. Marzuli. Yes, for Noble Truth just wrote that. L.A. Marzuli. L.A. Marzuli is a, uh, he's an archaeologist and researcher. He's an adventurer. And he's uh-huh. quite a great, uh, great uh, expert on ancient Egypt. He's got uh-huh. some great, great videos on YouTube, man. He's on Coast to Coast AM a lot. L.A. Marzuli is. But I was talking about another guy whose name sounds like that, Omar Zudi. He, their family is of Syrian extraction. Omar had a polio as a young boy. And uh, in school he had to use a typewriter, but he was a very bright individual. He was very smart. He came out and worked with us a few days out on the construction crew, and he was writing hieroglyphics on the plywood with a crayon. It's very bright. <laughs> you know, it's like no, okay, it's true. Um, we're winding down, everyone. If you have any questions for Scott at this time, go ahead. If you're calling in, star eight, so I can see you on the board. We're going to commence shortly. So, and then, uh, oh, I forgot. Uranus is Scott, by the way. Uh, for noble truth, Scott is Uranus, so he's giving it. Omar Zuti. Omar Zuti. Ah, Z H D I. That's how you spell it. His name was his dad's name was Nadji. N I N I N A Z I H. Nadji Zudi. He was ah. a heart surgeon and uh, very mm-hmm. hardworking, and um, he died not too long ago. He had a great career. We had we had a few uh, just very distinguished individuals that lived around here. He was one of them. Great. That's- Great people. Yeah, sounds like a beer. Well, Scott, uh, we have finished. There's no questions from callers at this time that you see on the board. Is there any last comments you'd like to, I guess, notes of inspiration tonight? Or should we take the great of what Tesla gave us and put down the bad? I just don't really have any concluding remarks. I hope that... uh, People will, will study him. You've got to really dig and dig and dig to get at the facts with him because uh, there's a lot of misinformation. If you go over and read in Wikipedia, they'll tell you things like he lost his mind, he was afraid mm-hmm. of pears, okay. he was afraid of different fruits and stuff like that. It's all just a bunch of nonsense. He, uh, he was lucid and very sane, a, a great, great mind, and it's He's one of the guys, you know, it makes me wonder, what is the difference between an idiot like me and a great genius like that who had, they said to have 700 patents, it was probably between 1,200 and 2,000, and he could have made that many more with what was in his head, but he just didn't write it all down, so. Oh, my God. 
you know, yeah, yeah, and it's like all the great things, you know, transformers and um, what, amplifiers, microphones, broadcasting, uh, mm. gee, the electrical engineering model, an AC current, which is something that people didn't understand, like pulse current, you can use higher voltages if you pulse the current than you can with direct current. Um, because uh, if you don't pulse it, then the wiring and components get too hot and they burn up. So yeah. it, it ushered in the whole era of uh, high-voltage applications, which you wouldn't have without Nikola Tesla. I don't, I don't know if anybody would have thought of it. Maybe somebody would have. But, yeah. Well, I think at this time I'd like to, uh, you've enlightened me on Tesla, and I get a better picture of him, not just of, of his achievements, but also of his, you know, you know, shall we say, I believe sometimes he was a man that spent a little bit too much time, in theory, in his head and not enough real connection. And I I believe that uh, that human connection. I believe that cost him, actually, quite frankly. It's actually very, very sad. Uh, and more importantly, Scott, I am very grateful to have met your acquaintance and, and as I repeat again, there's a lot of wonderful people in the community so I'm very blessed to have a wonderful friendship with Elvira Williams who then made our introduction and without that this call would not be possible. There's a lot of truly wonderful positive people in the targeted individual community and as we enter the new year we just want to pick up those tasks that are ready to go and I can't thank you enough. Definitely, with my podcast, the New Jack style of targeted individual appreciates your information, your knowledge, and advice. Many of us are from the major, major urban cities. And thus makes our targeting a little bit more unique in the retrospect that they're, they're pretty overt with us. You know what I'm saying? There's very little hidden maybe except for the technology, but as New Jack targets, we're going to figure out this new year coming up exactly how it works, exactly how we're implanted, and what makes us talk to it. We want to find out what's in us that really causes B2K. We all know that the satellites and the cell towers can track us. We know that. We know that. What's in us? And the best ways to find mysteries is Simply simplicity. Sure. I I understand book. I have book. I've been to college. Yes, I'm a college graduate. That's all nice. But it ain't going to save me for survival. I'm very blessed to have book, common sense, and my street spark is wisening up each and every day. Because to be a survivor of this program, you must have all three. As the old saying goes, there's no bigger fool than an educated fool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm for you and Elvira. Thanks, Lauren. You're so welcome, Scott. If you do celebrate the holiday, um, I do wish you a, a nice holiday. Let me get this straight again. When we had your story Wednesday, we know that your parents are deceased. You were close with your brother. He's deceased. And your brother was married. You are not going to spend the holidays with his wife or no? No. No, I'll be here all by myself. 
but that's okay. Are you there? <laughs> I think the call just went dead. Hello? Hello? I think that's all, folks. Nice. Go ahead, read the people. You have a question? Yeah, I think Scott. Did Scott hang up? Read the people. Yeah. You have a question? I'm sorry. Hello? You guys, I lost. I was on mute. I did not mean to hit that. Go ahead. Hi, Elvira. Hi. I think Scott hung up. No, Scott's still he, on. He was saying hello. Oh. Okay. It made me forget what I was going to say now. <laughs> I do want to say to everybody, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, yes, Hanukkah, or whatever the case may be. Oh, I think I'd like to say something with talk to you. I am sorry about that. Thank you, Elvira. I was mm-hmm. talking to you really. Merry Christmas. Oh, my God. What did Scott say? My phone went dead, so I hung up. That was fun. Thanks, everyone, for coming. Okay. Thank you, uh, Guest 9. It was a nice call. Everyone, I want to go ahead and wish you all a Merry Christmas. Is that the uh, young people say? I'm dropping the mic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Coach out. All right. <laughs> Thank you. 
With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.